Recently, I had the opportunity to sit down for tea with a remarkable woman. Becca Stevens was celebrated as a CNN hero last year. She's an Episcopal priest, an author, and a speaker. But she's also a social entrepreneur. She's the founder of Thistle Farms. It's a great business that makes bath and body products and more. It supports women who are survivors of human trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. And she does this all with the motto that love heals. It was such an honor to be able to spend a little time with Becca because she's a busy woman between preaching on Sundays at Vanderbilt University's St. Augustine Church and traveling to spread the word that love heals. She is always doing something. She's very inspiring, and I think you'll be touched by her story. She's become something of a celebrity as well. I noticed that when she came in to the building prior to our meeting, she had to almost sneak in so as not to be stopped by her fans. And while we were filming and recording, people were snapping pictures of her right and left. It's crazy and kind of awesome that in this celebrity-obsessed culture, we actually have people looking up to and admiring people with such substance. This gets me really fired up, makes me happy. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Becca. She talks candidly about this journey since she opened her first house called Magdalene more than 20 years ago. And she also talks about her own healing journey after being sexually assaulted as a very young child. And we recorded at the cafe at Thistle Farms, which is right next to the brick-and-mortar store. I can attest that the food and the tea were fantastic. And if you appreciate this podcast, all I ask is that you think about what Becca says toward the end of our conversation together. She talks about putting our money where our hearts are. Hey, the products are really good. And they'll make awesome holiday gifts. Happy holiday shopping, my friends. Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body and spirit. Happy Healthy You. And now, here's Connie. And I think it's kind of cool that there's a lot of noise in here, actually, because it's nice and busy. Welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. So we're recording video and audio today because we have a special guest and we have lots of really cool things to show you. Every year about this time during the holidays, we like to talk about conscious gift giving because, let's face it, it makes us happy to buy things consciously and um, really appreciate where the gifts that we're giving come from. And I have the perfect person today, Becca Stevens. She's... Oh, I'm so happy to have her here in the cafe at Thistle Farms. And let me just give you Becca's bio. She's a mom. She's an Episcopal priest. She's an author and a speaker. And she's the founder of Thistle Farms, a social enterprise that makes bath and body products and supports the efforts of Magdalene, which we will talk about a little bit later. Magdalene is a two-year free sanctuary for women who survive human trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. So she's been honored as a White House Champion of Change, a Humanitarian of the Year by the Small Business Council of America. She probably hates that I'm telling you this. And she's also a CNN hero. 
many of you guys may have seen Becca on the, the awards last year, walking up in her really cute cocktail dress and her bare feet. Oh, <laughs> She's also the author of lots of books, but her most recent one talks about this journey that you've been on with Magdalene, um, Love Heals. And we're going to talk about that too. Becca, thank you so much for sitting down with me in this gorgeous new space. Tell me about the new space. I know you just redecorated it. Well, it's only, we've only been open a month. I mean, it's really, really new, so we're just kind of getting our feet um, going again. We came to a complete halt. We had a cafe. We had, you know, it looked really, really different, but the roof paved in oh, about January of last year. And we thought, this is a perfect opportunity, perfect time to really grow it and build it the way we think love looks, mm. you know? And so... I mean, all the details that you'll see around and everything we do is hopefully you're feeling love in here when you're sitting. We could feel the love in the lunch we just had. Oh. So can I talk about that a little bit? Yes. So my husband, Rob, who's behind the camera, had the best roast beef sandwich he's ever had in his whole life. Wow, that's so sweet. My sister-in-law had, um, what did you have? You had the, um, oh, the grilled brie and blueberry jam with basil. Had a little bit on my shirt because I had to taste it. And I had the arugula um, beet salad, quinoa salad. I can't do beets, ever. It was so good. Wow. So good. And the tea, the way you serve your tea. Beats are a divider. Like there's pro beats, not pro. Beats. You're with me. I mean, it's like yeah. half the people watching this yeah. go, "That sounds amazing." And then the other half people are like, "I didn't know she was a beat eater." Well, sorry to hear that. No, no. But good to know. But good, good to, to know. know. But arugula, I love. Right. Arugula is good, but I didn't finish it because I um, didn't want it in my teeth. So anyway, we digress. So let's talk about the the new space that you have over next to the cafe where you have all your products. Let me put it in context. Can okay. I do that a little bit? Yes. So it started about 20 years ago when we were just doing residential. So we were inviting women to come in two years, live rent-free with no authority in the house. Okay. So that's how we did it for four years. And then we realized it was like, okay, if we're talking about love, especially loving women who on average first rate between the ages of 7 11, First hitting the streets between the ages of 14 and 16, you better be concerned about their economic well-being and independence. And women, you know, they're not, they weren't getting jobs. It was just this in and out uh, jail for years for them. And so it's like, okay, let's start. Let's start a business. We can do this. And so we started making first candles, then body bombs and healing oils. And the line just kept expanding. And it was awesome. I mean, it was really a great gift. So fast forward to last year, and Whole Foods finally made a contract with us for all 450 stores for the candle. That's incredible. Well, that was the impetus to really get our manufacturing in line so that we could make margins, so that we could grow. We were getting people in from all over the country, and so we knew we needed an education center. So... When the roof fell in, we knew it was time to say, okay, next sign, right? we're ready. Yes, it was like, okay, we're ready to do this. And we did. And we went out and raised a whole bunch of money. It's a beautiful team of people that were helping us. And so what you're seeing is really we're just, just fresh, what do you say, fresh out of the gate? Yes, just yes. Like, well, it's beautiful. Last uh, Christmas, almost everybody got the... Um, the candle, and then a lot of people got the gift set. There was a there's a beautiful um, hand soap and 
hand lotion gift set. It's better this year. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's and better. then also the um, not not to forget the uh, lip balm. Yeah. This lip balm. It's bangerang. Yes. So good. So there's so many products, and we'll show a lot of the products, and you can obviously go online and shop. Which is really exciting. Which is really great. I mean, that provides jobs. And you can go down there and film, too, if you want, so people can see. When you go online and shop, you'll see, you know, it's a job for the people that are at the computers getting all the orders. It's the people pulling the products and boxing and getting them out the door. I mean, it's a real production. It's fun. It's a good thing for us. And the margins are really good. That's exciting. And you've grown so much. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But I want to go back to the residential Magdalene. So 20 years you've been doing this. Can you can you reflect back to like when that started and where you are now? And can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I can talk about it a lot. I mean, it's my life. It's easy to talk about it. But what what I when I started, I think what I thought was like, can you believe it takes a whole community to help five women? And it didn't seem like very much. It seemed um, like it was so small, and there was a lot of resources being put into it. But now, looking back, what I realize is they were pioneers. All the women coming in were so brave, and they had launched a whole, you know, some, like a movement for women's freedom. We have 42 sister communities that have opened now, and we're in like 26 countries. And it's like five women can do a lot. That's what I was thinking about. Just the other day, it was like five women have done a lot. And I think if they like help change legislation and myths about prostitution and who's on the streets and why, they did a lot. And I think for all of us, if, me at least, the, um, the lesson was you can like think big and do a small act. You don't have to say, like, oh my gosh, 20 million people are they're a part of human trafficking every year so I can't possibly do anything to help. One it's like step. just one small step and then you stay with it. I mean and the other thing, so it's like staying with it but then the other thing I always think about is like, of course I didn't imagine how it would turn out. You know? How I could t- you? How could you? Yeah. Of course. And I don't have great vision. I have um, you know tenacity and compassion and all that stuff but I really do believe in communal vision like you know I've never picked out a fixture in my life I've never designed anything and it's like if you have just like this say okay we can do this and you get somebody that's a can tell a story then people who have so much more talent at building capacity at designing at branding marketing they come up to they come to the table they show up they show up yeah, yeah. very I, cool i remember one day there was a um, a woman who was a chemist walked in the door and she was like i can help you with these products i can help you make them a lot better it was like i didn't even know to pray for a chemist <laughs> that we were missing that i didn't even know it was just like well, I interviewed Gloria Steinem a few years back, and uh, she wrote, God is in the details, but the goddess is in the questions. So I love that. I, love I know. Isn't that good? Yeah. So the questions, and she, I said, well, what were the questions for you? And she said, well, why me? Why? This isn't fair. Yes. Can you talk about human trafficking a little bit? Because I feel like it's an under-publicized. Uh, it's, although it's people are understanding what it's all about more, but I feel like there are pockets of areas that maybe have never heard about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
the roots of you know all the buying and selling of women, a lot of the roots lie in childhood trauma, and especially sexual assault um, for kids. So when I say on average, the first the women that we serve who have been survivors of trafficking are first rape between the ages of seven and eleven. It reminds you that always, you know, not always, almost always, childhood sexual abuse is part of that story, or at least yeah. violence or trauma. And so kids who run away are really, really vulnerable. Um, I sometimes really think it's a, um, there's mostly a myth about the idea that people just come get your kids. You know, that your kids are in your, you know, like are pretty stable and they have goals and they're growing and they're doing stuff and they just get, you know, like snatched in that way. But I think for people who have known trauma, racism, violence, and poverty, all of those things, or who, you know, run away and people, you know, don't come and get them. They're really vulnerable, and people that have been, you know, in foster care systems where it hasn't gone well. I mean, it's it's almost like the boot camp for it is the is trauma. I mean, I don't know how else to really say it. But I will say that, um, you know, a lot of the women that we serve who were trafficked in their teenage years, you know, the drug addictions come in. The sex and drug industries are really tied in. And it's a very punitive system for young girls who run away and get caught up in that. You know, and everywhere we go and we start communities, people say, you know, we're part of this quarter for trafficking. It's like, yes, every city is now. I mean, because we all have interstates and we all have, you know, huge amount of pornography and um, the downloading of images of young girls on internets and we have Backpage or whatever it is. It's like... People can buy sex all the time. It's everywhere. And I wanted to talk to you. You mentioned addiction with this opioid crisis that we're also oh immersed gosh. in. Yeah, it's everywhere. So um, you have a model that seems to is working, right? It's crazy how so, good it works. So insurance companies give people 28 days in a rehab, and you give your women two years, which is, makes so much more sense. Right. right, and I'm not saying rehab's not a part of what we do. Right. What does it mean to give women time to feel safe, to be, to, to heal? Right. It's a good question. And, you know, a lot of our women go through 28-day programs um, on purpose that we, but a lot of it's not overnight. You can do an outpatient intensive therapy and be in a really safe house. Two years is long enough to get to know a therapist really, really well, to make a connection, you know, with a therapist. So you can go back as far as you need to go back to start dealing with some of your triggers and how this happened and to tell your story where you feel like you're really heard and loved and cared for. I mean, I think the best thing we can do is create the time and space for people to find their own healing. It's not like it's a magical thing, like somebody's going to touch you and you're going to be healed and it's this miracle cure. It's like I need time and space and resources so that I can find wholeness and healing where I feel like my feet are on the ground and I can be a mom or a sister or daughter again or you know I can figure out what love means to me because it's so skewed and so when you said you know you give the women two years like I don't give them anything like all we do is say here it's available and a lot of people have given a lot so these houses are available you know 
what we do, we don't take any federal or state funding. What we say is, you know, really, really what we want is for you to know that people have given out of gratitude for all the mercy they've known. So take the gift that a lot of people have given. I mean, you're part of this gift now. You're part of the story. This will help. And use it for however you need and then help the very next woman. You help the next woman. You give it to the next woman. And I love the story. You write about it. We'll get to the book. The available book. Tons everywhere. of beautiful pictures, y'all. So many beautiful pictures. Um, you write about the circle that the women, is it every Wednesday, they, they gather around the We circle. do it three days a week, but we invite everybody else to come in on Wednesdays. Mm -hmm. And we just, our ritual is we just light a candle in the middle and we say, we light this candle for the woman who's still suffering on the streets and for the woman who's trying to find her way home. You know, candles have become critical for us. I mean... And you can get them. Thistlefarms.org, right? <laughs> you can get them all day long or at any Whole Foods and, yeah. you know, anywhere in yeah. the country. I love them. I always have them burning. They're good Every candles. Every bathroom. Wait, can I say this too, yeah. though? Uh, uh, honestly, it's like not hard to make candles. If you make soy wax candles, never made a candle. it's not hard. You melt soy wax and you add essential oils. And so people pay 20, 30, 40, 60, whatever the number is that people want to pay. It's all about packaging. So we have like this beautiful, beautiful wick. Um, it's all cotton, it's all natural, it burns clean. We have beautiful essential oils. You just melt it and put it with the soy wax. It's like, sometimes I think people think, Things are a lot more complicated than they are. Like helping people or loving people or finding women, you know, it's not hard. I mean, we, we've always had a waiting list of women really, really wanting to come in and you say, welcome, and people start feeling better and they want to help and they want their life to have meaning. They want to be back with their families. They don't, they want to drive a car and get their, you know, tickets paid and it's like, Sometimes I think we make community and loving people a lot more complicated than it is. Yeah, and I love how you, you say that in here. Just keep it simple. When you talk about the mission of Thistle and Mag Magdalene, keep it simple. Love heals. And yeah. that's, that's great. Can we just consider that Thistle for just a minute? Sure. <laughs> Did you get that? Consider the lilies. Yeah, I got it. So that's about all I got. <laughs> um, so I love the story how, about how you were working with the thistles. And then you come to find out that the healing properties, because I love essential oils too. I teach oh, yoga, good. I use essential oils. You look um, like you teach yoga. Mm, well, I'm an old yogi. But, um, oh, that's so good. I love it. I love it. You talk about that too. I love yoga. Yeah. yeah. So um, talk about the, the thistles just really quick so that people can understand the significance because sure. everything has a significance. So we named it Thistle Farms because when we first started out and several of us were going down to the streets and alleys to meet the women where they were walking and sleeping and turning tricks and shooting up, the only flower left was thistle. And it was haunting and beautiful and all that stuff. I mean, they're noxious weeds. They look like that on the outside, but they have this, you know, just beautiful, soft, purple center. And so what we want to do is think of it as like kind of reclaiming something that the world thinks of as kind of trashed or used or that, you know, like you just need to mow it down, you know, and it's like, no, we can do something beautiful with it. 
So we named it Thistle Farms and the idea of growing, you know, you don't have a farm of thistles. What you have is you have um, thistles everywhere that you can go harvest. And we started taking the down out and we started making paper out of it. And it makes beautiful, beautiful paper. How did you figure that out? That's pretty fascinating. You know, I think I was almost born for the place where arts and crafts and justice come together. I love that stuff. I love playing with candles and thistles and you know, crocheting vests or whatever it is. I like doing stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun. So that part, what that part's not hard. Mm. Um, the hard part is selling it, not making it. <laughs> Just for everybody, that's like getting the marketing and the distribution was a lot harder for me. I think for other people it may be different. But, so what we learned, it's like, I'm telling you, it was like six or seven years later. Like, we never thought about it. Do you know how, like, you don't think about stuff? Like, that's right in front of you sometimes. You're like, oh, my gosh. And then somebody else. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we saw um, thistle extract in Walgreens. Mm -hmm. You can actually get thistle extract in Walgreens. Mm -hmm. And I looked it up, and it was like, it's for detoxing and restoring the liver and for use after trauma. Specifically what the women need who come through thistle farms. Isn't that crazy? It was like, it was perfect. It was like people with alcohol addictions or done horrible things to their body their liver is suffering, hepatitis C positive, whatever and we were picking thistle we were making it into a slurry you know, breathing it in and it was like healing Yeah, we didn't even know it God is in the details, right? Right. isn't that cool? So, okay, so let's get to the book okay. Love Heals, another great gift option, right? so there, I think when you open up there is beautiful um, pictures, but you can you can gift it to someone. Yeah. So also available. And we can make them. Website. But see, look, we have to show like how beautiful all these pictures. Oh my gosh, are. they're so beautiful. So yeah. we have these are like all the images from around the world where we're doing all the work with groups of women. The latest mm-hmm. one is Greece um, with women Syrian refugees. So what we're trying to do is help people make the connection between human trafficking and refugees. Mm. for women that women are you know fleeing the violence of war but not the violence of poverty yes, yes. and how vulnerable they still are and there's something like 12,000 young women missing from refugee camps last year it's unbelievable yeah. mm. how do you keep it from getting overwhelming I didn't think about it okay I think it's like fun and I mean, like, we laugh as much as we cry, and, you know, sometimes we have all the really, really hard conversations and let it sink in, and a lot of times, you know, we're boxing candles and shipping them out, and it's not, it's not overwhelming. It yeah. feels really doable. And plus, there's a lot of people that are in this with us, and I would say that, for me, the most overwhelming feeling I get is how kind people are. I mean, like, you're a stranger to me in many ways. And you come in and you're loving, you want to help. That feels more overwhelming than anything else. It's like, thank you. I mean, truly thank you. Tears of joy can be just as uh, overwhelming as tears of grief. So, uh, this book, you talk a lot about your story about about the you can you can learn all about it in this book. You also talk candidly about your story and um, give us some great ideas for healing ourselves and getting through almost anything really. 
Um, and your story of forgiveness, uh, you mentioned very candidly that you were sexually abused when you were young, you have in common with many of the one in three women right now. I don't know how they make that stat. I always wondered like how they get that stat. I don't know, now that we have the uh, Me Too hashtag, right? Yeah. Seems like it could be possible in right. some way. You know. So um, can you talk about forgiveness just a little bit? Just just for just briefly, because you talk about it in here in the book and it's um, it's really profound. I mean the importance of forgiveness for you. I mean, it's kind of a basic principle. But. Here's the, I think I have met a lot of women. So for me, my dad was killed by a drunk driver, and then it was a guy that was leaving the church that started sexually abusing me. And it started when I was about six, so I was really young. And it undid, undid me for a very long time. Um, it was confusing, maybe, maybe. You know, it makes you inappropriate as a teenager. You know, it's, it makes you angry, it makes you fearful, all of those things. And the thing was, though, is that I never thought that was my story. But, you know, I did have a loving dad. Even though he was killed when I was five, he was a loving person. And I had a loving mom. And, you know, even though we knew a lot about poverty, it was like... I just felt, I still, in a weird way, felt like people were good people. You know, never I don't know. It. I never lost it. And I think that was a that was a big gift. So to forgive my abuser was all about being freed from all that. And so what I did was I went and met with he and his wife. When I started out um, opening the program, I thought... You know, I better get myself together and be pretty strong if I'm going to be doing this with talking about this and being there for women. I just called him and said, I'm coming to your house. Your wife needs to be there. You know, and you can imagine he was a nervous wreck. And his wife tried to leave the room. She felt like she was sick. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm really going to tell this story, and I'll wait for you to come back. But I'm, I'm not leaving if I don't tell the story. And I told about two or three incidents that I remembered really clearly that were pretty violent. And at the end, he said, um, who have you told? That was his very first question to me. And I was like... Wow, like it all really happened how I remembered it. I'm not crazy. Like, I really didn't do anything. And he's really kind of sick. And I kind of had compassion for him. It was weird. It was like he's messed up, not me. And when somebody's really sick, you can move from brokenness to compassion pretty easily. And so, you know. I talked about what I thought the dangers were for their family. I talked about um, the fact that, you know, they had daughters and they needed to find out what he had done to them. And they needed, I mean, they needed help. And he needed to be um, held accountable in a way. And I had some resources for him. And I said, you know, here's, you know, you're not, never allowed to contact me. You're not allowed this, this, this. But this is your story now, and I forgive you. It's yours. It's y'all's to own. And I really did kind of feel free. I mean, it was a long process. I had a beautiful therapist, but 
there's something beautiful about just speaking freedom, even if you don't believe in it, yeah. even if you don't understand it, to lean into it and speak it and say, like, I want to be free. That, to me, was the beginning of forgiveness. It's like, I didn't want to carry it around like, oh, I'm just so sick from this. It's like, I don't have time for it. It's awesome. That's awesome. And so courageous. And what a great model for everyone. All of you and all the rest of us. Hashtag me too's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Last question, I guess. (laughs) Unless we come up with something else. What makes you happy these days, living here in Nashville? Doing this great work. I love that we're busy again. I love that we're open and busy again. That makes me happy. I love my kids. I have three boys. Nothing makes me happier than my sons. Even though they make me crazy, I love them. Crazy, my husband. And I have a brand new blanket that's kind of furry on the inside. And I've been like really excited when I go to bed at night. And I'm like, can you believe this furry? I love fall. Yeah. But it got cold. We we got here on Saturday and it was freezing. I know. It's been, it's, yeah, we kind of jumped right into it. I know. And then, um, okay, but I'll tell you the other thing that really, I'll tell you what makes me happy was yesterday this big fancy magazine came in here. You'll probably have to edit all of this out. This big fancy magazine came in here and they took pictures of all the food. I'm telling you. This made me so happy. So the table, that table was filled with food, filled with all the recipes that are best. They finished taking pictures, and they were like, okay, it's y'all's. It was a feast, and I had not tasted about a third of really? what we had had in here. There was about five of us, and we ate, I don't know, 15 lunches. Wow. It was awesome. I was wow. like, this is like a like Thanksgiving. That's crazy. So where will that be? Can we look for it's that? It's Style Blueprint. Okay. Oh wow. Nice stuff. Nice. Well, I'll tell you when we when our lunch arrived at our table, it was just beautiful. We all took pictures of it. Good. So it's a feast, even without the uh, stylus. From Here's the, the other thing. I want to. I do want to say something else, though, not okay, about good. what makes me happy, but one of the things that I think what you were talking about earlier was about the economy of work. Yes. And about conscious consumerism, and I'd love to talk about that for a second. I would love to talk talk with you about that. So, yeah, what do yeah. you think about that? Well, I think love is a viable economy. I mean, I heard somebody say that. I don't think that was some speakers Just talked about. No, it wasn't me. Well, I'm not smart enough for that. But he said peace is a viable economy, which I do believe that's true too. Love is a viable economy. I mean, you've proven it, and you know it's spreading. So, yeah. But what you're doing for us in, in focusing on that, what I've been trying to do, and I'm trying to learn how to do it better, is help. We get so many people who say, like, "Oh my gosh, I love what you do. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It's so sweet. The women are amazing. You know, we haven't had a relapse in almost two years. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah, but then they go buy their soap somewhere else." Or they buy their candles somewhere else. And it's like, do you get, like, when you do your, where you put your value is partly about where you put your money. So if you value this, buy your soap here. It's really good soap. Buy your gifts here. Buy your candles here. And it's like, if we could help people make that leap to the viable economy of love, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have another problem. Maybe that's what Jesus really meant. Where your treasure is. Yeah. What is it? Where your treasure is? Where's your heart? He definitely meant that. He meant buy your soap at Thistle Farms. You meant buy your soap at Thistle Farms, yeah. It's a direct translation from the original Greek. Exactly. (laughs) 
Exactly. Okay, so for more information about you and Thistle Farms and Magdalene and the book Love Heals, Available everywhere. <laughs> Where can thank we you. find you? org. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Oh my gosh. I just love everything you do. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome.